Well, the reason why we've gathered together here as a church are really to expressly thank God that he has given us a place to worship and uh, really lift his name on high and uh, to thank him for his grace for us. And secondly, then to formally dedicate this building to God for his glory. And really, most most of that's for us just to say this is a building that, God, we want you to use for your glory. I've told the people of Rock Valley Bible Church this this church is a tool. This building is a tool to um, to accomplish this task among us. Our, our vision, mission, statement of church is really simple. We exist to enjoy the grace of God. And we have found that in Jesus Christ. And we enjoy that every Sunday. But it doesn't stop there. It's to enjoy the grace of God and to extend the glory of God. And it's our heart's desire this church building would be used to extend its glory. We have sought to make this day as special as can be. I've invited uh, many of my friends um, We've got several pastors from my, my history uh, a little bit. I know Steve Leston is here. He's a pastor at, Rock, at uh, Kishwaukee Bible Church in DeKalb, Illinois, which started this church. Darrell Worley is pastor of uh, Grace Church of DuPage, which started Kishwaukee Bible Church, which started Rock Valley Bible Church. And so kind of the, the lineage there. And then Frank Yonke. Where, Frank, where are you? You're right there. Frank is here. He's been on staff at Grace Church of DuPage and Kishwaukee Bible Church and Rock Valley Bible Church. So if anybody, he's got it all together. So I wanted to tie past and present and even future with that as they, as they speak. Um, I just wanted, my, my purpose in inviting these men is to show that we, Rock Valley Bible Church, we're not on an island. It's not like we're just doing our own thing. There's some history to us which helps us and gives us some security and help. In fact, even next week, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, I'll be with, uh, with these men just as we pour over the scriptures together for mutual encouragement and for training and for seeking to plan strategically um, what God can do for the world. I also invited some of my local pastor friends. Uh, Chris Bronze, the pastor. Did you just call it the Red Brick Church? We've got the Red Brick Church in Stillman Valley. And Jess Miller. Uh, pastor of uh, Morning Star Baptist Church, and Larry Pauley. Where's Larry? I can't see you. There you are, Larry, from Elam Baptist Church. And then we've got a special relationship with Elam because we have uh, used their facility on several occasions. Uh, I debate to say many, but on quite a few occasions we've used your facility. Now it's your chance to come and enjoy us, and we're, we're delighted to have all of you. I've asked them at the end of the service just to say what they want to say, to encourage us, the church body, and, and to pray for us. And my purpose in inviting them is to show you that there are like-minded churches here in Rockford. Uh, that we're, not, we're not on our own, but there are others who, who share our, our joy and mission as well. And, and my heart's desire is for us to see that and unite together with other churches in, in common ministry together. So we've been praying and thinking about how to do. And we've also thought to make it special by afterwards having a dinner downstairs. If you go out there and then downstairs, we have a dinner uh, prepared for all of us. We we brought enough for all of you. If you weren't really planning to stay, so oh, if you can stay, boy, that'd be a wonderful time. Um, we've never had a dinner here before, so it's kind of new for us. We're kind of limp along, but but by God's grace, we will we'll do just fine. So if you can stay, I encourage you to stay. As we begin our service this morning, I do want to focus our attention on Psalm 127, verse one, which simply says this: Unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build it. Unless the Lord guards the city, the watchman keeps awake in vain. This verse tells us really that all of our efforts, apart from divine blessing, will result in vanity, emptiness, and nothing. 
It says they labor in vain. That, that means that they, they labor with nothing to show for it. So we can work and work and work and work and work to build our homes, pour our lives into the lives of our children, do everything in our power for our children, do everything in our power for our marriage. But unless the Lord builds the house, we'll labor in vain. It shows you how much we need to depend upon him. Unless the Lord guards the city, we can pour millions, hundreds of billions of dollars on national defense. We can spend hundreds of billions of dollars on national intelligence, right? Strict border controls to guard against terrorists and immigration laws and all, all these type of things to protect us from the enemy. Unless, yet, unless the Lord guards the city, the watchman keeps alert in vain. So you how much we're dependent upon the Lord. And the same comes to the church. We can spend much money on advertising as a church. We can work as hard as we can to have the nicest church services or the best music and the best preaching. Multiple pastors in the church, much activity. But unless the Lord builds a church, we labor in vain to build it. And this afternoon, our purpose together is to say, God, we know that unless you are the one who builds, we will just labor in vain and spin our wheels. And really, that's what we're seeking to do to dedicate this building. And, and really, we're here to plead with him. For his blessing upon our church. And that's our heart, is that God would receive all the glory. Psalm 115, verse 1 says, Not to us, O Lord, not to us, but to thy name be glory, because of your loving kindness and because of your truth. I remember, boy, this was probably it was 1998, I think, 12 years ago, when we first gathered to think about a Bible study in Rockford that might be a church someday. And um, we were gathered in Frank Yonke's family room or whatever room you call that. And uh, Tim Iverson, you here? Yeah, you are here someplace. Yeah, Tim's grandfather, uh, Phil Lawton, a wonderful dear man. He was sitting back in a recliner chair in the corner there. It's probably it's your chair, right? <laughs> it's Frank's chair. But Phil had your chair that day. And uh, he was privileged to be in that chair. I'm not sure at that time he would have been 80 maybe, 80 up higher. He would have been 85 maybe. This was... He passed, uh, he passed away, I don't know, maybe five years ago, eight years, seven, five years ago probably, at age what? 94. So if I do my math really fast, five, I'm not that fast. But he was maybe 85 years old, uh, had seen a lot of things. He sat back in the chair and we were just saying, hey, you know, we're thinking about a Bible study in Rockford, praying that maybe it'll be a church. Are you interested? Is that something you could do on Thursday nights? Can you, can you do that? Just kind of weighing out things. And, and Phil is sitting there in the back, just quiet as can be. He makes one comment all night, and it really proved to be prophetic. He said something to the extent of this. He says, I just want to say, as an old man could say, I just want to say this church must be built on the foundation of Jesus Christ and nothing less. And then he was quiet and sat the rest of the time. And I just say amen to that. That's what we want to do. Build church on Jesus Christ. And so as I plan the meeting, as I plan the music that we would sing, I, my heart is just that we would never, never lose our wonder and awe at the marvelous work of Christ. So we are going to start by, by singing songs that just, just marvel at the wonderful grace of God to save us and to call us. We're going to sing And Can It Be, that great hymn by Charles Wesley. And we're going to sing How Deep the Father's Love for Us. They're both songs that just reflect and just say, God, how, how marvelous is your love and your grace towards us. Let me pray. Then Andy will come up and lead us in song. Oh, Father, we give this service to you and we give our hearts to you and would plead that you would, God, so stir our hearts to see that what we have here is a shell. Our bodies are, 
are but clay pots and this building here will someday be destroyed. But I pray, O Lord, between now and then that You would use it for the glory of Jesus Christ. And I pray even as we sing, may we sing uh, the roof off of this building out of love and adoration and praise to You for the, the grace You've given us in Jesus Christ. In whose name we pray. Amen. Stand with me, please. 347. Amazing love. How can it be that thou, my God, wouldst die for me? 347.
asking his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, some say John the Baptist and others Elijah, but still others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. He said to them, but who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus said to him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father who is in heaven, I also say to you that you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overpower it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth shall be 
found in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Then he warned his disciples that they should not tell, they should tell no one that he was the Christ. From that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised upon the third day. Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, God forbid it, Lord, this shall never happen to you. But he turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block for me, for you are not setting your mind on God's interests but man's. Then Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever wishes to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Well, what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? For the Son of Man is going to come in the glory of his Father with his angels and will then repay every man according to his deeds. Hi. My job to um, connect the dots on the faithfulness of God and His grace and His mercy, uh, to tell a little bit of the life story of a church. How do you do that? Um, go back to the Mother Church, Grace Church of DuPage. Uh, not sure how all the, the then the church that came from that, Kishwaukee Bible Church, and then this church. Kishwaukee Bible Church, 1984, 27 years ago, was established by God's grace. Kishwaukee Bible Church, 1993, Rock Valley Bible Church, depending on which date you want to use, the one Steve mentioned this morning when Bible study started, 98, or when evening services started, 2000, or when... Sunday morning services started, 2002. Take your pick. 27 years. Wow. You know, planning to start a church is an exciting thing. Many of you have been involved. Um, remembering back to 1984, the summer and the fall, I remember, not in specific terms, but in generalities, I remember a sense, an anticipation, a desire maybe even to see God lifted up and glorified in ways that we had not seen him glorified in our lives as leaders um, or in the, our church's ex experiences before. You know, when you, when you start a church, when you decide we're going to plant a church, you, you think you're going to do it better than anybody else has done it before. Uh, I remember that kind of thought. I even said that. I say that to my shame. We, we thought this because we thought our foundation at Grace Church of DuPage was, uh, on the truth of God was 
especially in the doctrinal statement that was put together, would enable us to do it better. We thought we had a handle on the truth better. We, we thought that as we thought about philosophy of ministry, how we would do church, we thought we had installed some protections, some things that would guard us. As we began, we started, I'm not sure this is a wisdom thing, we started studying the Bible in Jeremiah together. I'm not sure I'd do that if I were going to do it again, but that's where we started. I do remember when we got to Jeremiah 9, 23 and 24, Thus says the Lord, Let not a wise man boast of his wisdom. But we did. Let not the mighty man boast of his might. But we did. Let not a rich man boast of his riches, but let him who boasts boast of this, that he understands and knows me. Sounds like a New Testament passage, doesn't it? That I am the Lord who exercises loving kindness, justice, and righteousness on earth, for I delight in these things, declares the Lord. We struggled. We struggled with that counsel to his people through his prophet. Often, all too often, we operated on our own wisdom. We carried out our plans and our own abilities all too often. We trusted in our material resources all too often. As the church grew in number, and it did, and in property and buildings, we often lost sight of the number one thing that God desired above all of that. What God revealed to his people in Jeremiah. To know him. To know that he is a God who exercises loving kindness, justice, and righteousness on earth. I, I remember that we especially struggled with that first part. Knowing him that he is the Lord of loving kindness. Keeping truth and love together are difficult. And the more the struggle, sometimes the more difficult it is. In retrospect, now, 27 years later, it's more clear to me that all that God has done in Grace Church of DuPage and Kishwaukee Bible Church and Rock Valley Bible Church is a miracle of one thing. God's loving kindness to his people. Can you say amen? I want to tell you two short stories about the things that God did to bring us to this point that we're at today. One, having to do with the beginning of Kishwaukee Bible Church while we were still at Grace Church of DuPage, and the other, the beginning of Rock Valley Bible Church. Kishwaukee Bible Church began in 1993. But it was a dream that was alive in the hearts of many people at Grace Church of DuPage. And in the hearts particularly of five families living in DeKalb. Who for many years. Made their way for Sunday morning service, for Sunday evening service, for Wednesday evening service, for men's equippers, for other services. Week in, week out, week in, week out, week in, week out. 
Many times during those five years that these dear families were a part of Grace Church of DuPage, they asked the elders of Grace Church of DuPage to help them plant a church in DeKalb. And we told them that it was our heart to do that, and we asked them to be patient. The question we heard very often from them, not as a group, but individually, was, how long? Why so long? And in retrospect, I I think I have a part of the answer to the why so long. And it's this, God was teaching us at Grace Church of DuPage, and he was reordering our priorities, at, at least in one major way that I can think of. He was building in us a heart for church strengthening and church planting that wasn't there when we began Grace Church of DuPage. Now, that, that almost sounds crazy. When you start a church, when you plant a church, but what God was doing was he was expanding our heart for church planting and our heart for church strengthening beyond ourselves. He was convincing us that it was his priority to do it. He was convincing us that we needed to invest our best, our lives, our people in that effort. He was giving us a heart to train men to be elders and pastors and missionaries. Men who would be sent out to establish and strengthen churches near us and around the world. God was at work through a lot of men, a lot of people. Rich Kearns, one of the first pastors of Kishwaukee Bible Church, not the first. Steve Monsur, Steve Leston, he's here today. Don Dumbacher, preparing them to be a part of the beginning of what turned out to be Kishwaukee Bible Church. But why so long? Well, 2 Timothy 2.2 says, Paul says, the things, writing to Timothy, the things you've heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. It takes time to do that. It takes time to become convinced you need to do it. It takes time to figure out how you're going to do it. It takes time to do it. God gave us uh, a window uh, of a few years, just a few years, unabated, To do that. God did teach us. And it changed our hearts for church. For what church should be forever. Even now. Now. Even now. There is a heart at Grace Church of DuPage. At Kishwaukee Bible Church. At this church. Rock Valley Bible Church. That looks out and says. Lord. How can we strengthen other churches? The answer that this leadership team has come to has taken them to places like Nepal in answer to that question. We're grateful, I'm grateful, to see that that hand of God teaching us has come here. Rock Valley Bible Church We talked about it began in 2002 or 2000 or 1998, depending on how you think about it. But it, too, was a dream that had been alive in the hearts of many people. Once 
Kishwaukee Bible Church was going, families in Rockford heard about a kind of preaching that was the norm on Sundays at Kishwaukee Bible Church. Something called expository preaching. Many of you know what that is. Several families began to drive down to DeKalb on a weekly basis for our worship services and for men's equippers and for other things. And it wasn't long before they began to ask the elders to consider planting a church here in Rockford. We asked these dear families to be patient with us. But it wasn't long before we started to hear the same question. How long? How patient? Why so long? Why not now? Well, once again, in retrospect, we know why so long. God was teaching us again. He was putting his hand on us, touching us in a place that would affect us even more deeply, my opinion, even more deeply than the first time. He was clarifying our understanding of the gospel. At least that would be my personal testimony. God started clarifying this in the heart of Don Nobucker, our pastor at the time. Don would say it in a lot of ways, but I'm just going to, he would do it better. When it comes to our salvation and our sanctification, it's not what we do, it's what Christ has done that will save us and change us. And I know you believe that, right? He, would, he said, it's not do, do, do. Speaking of you or me, it's done, done, done. One of the things we learned is God was putting his hand on us to teach us more about this gospel was that the gospel will always be seen in the ways that we give to others mercy and grace that God has given to us, especially when we think they don't deserve it. Now, to teach us that, he had to put us in situations where we were with people who we thought didn't deserve it all the time. So to teach me, just my own testimony, to teach me this, God put me in situations that were painful in my family life, in my pastoral life, Putting me in situations where I had to depend on him to see if I couldn't believe what he said. Mercy triumphs over judgment. That when it comes to changing people, whether it's me or someone else, mercy is the strongest change agent in the arsenal of God. But it wasn't just true for me. It was true for all the people of Kishwaukee Bible Church. And now on this dedication day of this building here at Rock Valley Bible Church, I'm thankful for God's timing. I'm thankful for the waiting that he has sovereignly put Grace Church of DuPage, Kishwaukee Bible Church, and Rock Valley Bible Church through in order to equip us for the work he has given to us to do. Lord, thank you for your gospel purpose to equip and train those who are noticeably good as gospel men 
in every area of their lives to be leaders, to be pastors, to be church planters, to be missionaries everywhere. Not just men who are intelligent, not just men who are knowledgeable, not just men who are successful in life, not just those who have money, but gospel men. Thank you, Lord, for a gospel legacy. For men who know because you had your hand on them how to love others as God has loved them, even when they thought those others didn't deserve it. If the Apostle Paul were here this afternoon, and we had him up here, that'd be a better deal anyway, wouldn't it? We had him here. We'd say, Paul, what advice do you have? What counsel do you have? I think he might say, well, you know, I wrote some of this already in Ephesians. I, I think I, I would pray for you, for the people of Rock Valley Bible Church, that they would be, and not just them, but KBC grace churches, that they would know and be strengthened through the power of his spirit, they would come to know the love of Christ, the width, the length, the depth, the height of the love of Christ, and that they would be able to comprehend with all the saints and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowing. You'll never get to know it as much as you want to. And then he says this. At the end of this prayer, he says, you know these verses. They don't always get applied in our own hearts to this subject, but here it is. When it comes to knowing the love of God, when it comes to a church going forward on the love of God in Christ, now to him who is able to do far more abundantly, beyond all that we ask or think, according to the power that works within us, to him, be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever and ever. This afternoon, Lord, for the people of Rock Valley Bible Church and every church represented here, teach us more of the love of Christ. Put us in positions where we have to give it away to those we think might not be deserving. And then give us all we need to do it for your glory and for the strengthening of the church. In Jesus' name, amen. Do you take your hymnal again, please? 401. As we sing together, the church's one foundation. 401.
afternoon. In the last uh, weeks, months, I think years, Steve has been preaching out of Hebrews. Um, so I have some selections out of Hebrews to read. Starting in Hebrews 1.1, Hebrews 1.1 says this, God, after he spoke long ago to the fathers and the prophets, in many portions and in many ways in these last days, has spoken to us and his son, whom he appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the world. And he is the radiance of his glory and the exact representation of his nature and upholds all things by the power of his power, the word, by the word of his power. When he had made purification of sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. And then Hebrews 4, Hebrews 4.14 says this, Therefore, Since we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted in all things as we are yet without sin. Therefore, let us draw nearer with confidence to the throne of grace so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. And then lastly, Hebrews 10, Hebrews 10, 19 to 25 says, Therefore, brethren, since we have confidence to enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, which he inaugurated for us through the veil, that is his flesh, and since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a sincere heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled clean, from an evil conscience, and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast with the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds, not forsaking our own assembling together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. When I thought about this moment here when Steve called and, and said uh, wanted me to talk about the present relationship between Kishwaukee Bible Church and Rock Valley Bible Church, a passage of Scripture came to my mind. It was out of Philippians chapter 1. And it's this, Paul is speaking of the Philippians and he says, I thank my God and all my remembrances of you, always and in every prayer of mine for you, and my prayer for you all, making my prayer with joy. Sorry, one of those Pauline run-on sentences there. Because of your partnership in the Gospel from the first day until now. Now, I, I like the way that the ESV has translated that. They say, because of your partnership in the Gospel. Some of you maybe have a translation that says, in your fellowship with the Gospel. Now, the reason why I like the, the term partnership is oftentimes... Mainly in our, in our culture, when we think of the word fellowship, what comes to our mind is uh, coffee hour. You know, we have a fellowship hall, 
and we have a fellowship time and we have these wonderful fellowship groups. And sometimes we even use the Greek word for fellowship and, and we use that word koinonia. And so we have koinonia hour, koinonia groups, you know, this kind of koinonia thing thrown around. And, and so we think of it as just a, a hangout time for people to just enjoy each other in the Lord. Now, as wonderful as that is, the, the essence of the word koinonia really isn't about that. I like the way D.A. Carson defines it. He says the word koinonia is best defined as a self-sacrificing conformity to a shared vision. Isn't that a great description? A self-sacrificing conformity to a shared vision. So Paul says to the church in Philippi, boy, this is great and and I rejoice over you. Why? Because of the self-sacrificing conformity to a shared vision that we have. And when I think of... uh, of the two churches, Kishwaukee Bible Church and Rock Valley Bible Church, I can say with confidence that we have a self-sacrificing conformity to a shared vision. And, and the partnership that exists there uh, is not just because Rock Valley Bible Church came out from Kishwaukee Bible Church, but because of the leaders and, and the shared vision that's there, the heart of Steve and the rest of the leadership team. In fact, I, I thought of three areas of our partnership for the progress of the gospel that really, uh, I believe, is, is true and what I enjoy about our current relationship. The first is this. I think we share a heart to proclaim the message of the gospel to everyone in our sphere of influence as long and as loud as we can. I really believe that. I believe that there's a sense that, that in Steve's heart and in our heart is to make sure that, that we are proclaiming the message that Frank so eloquently shared with us, that, that it's by Christ and what He's done. And that message that has come from the Grace Church of DuPage to Kishwaukee Bible Church to, to Rock Valley Bible Church is so incredible. And, and, and we share that same heart. And I, I'm glad for that. Because, of course, we live in a generation of people who like to gather teachers who will tickle their ears. And, and sometimes it's not real glamorous to be preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ, to stand up in front of people and say, you're dead in your trespasses and sins, and the only hope you have is in Christ. It's not a popular message, but it's the truth. And it's the message of hope. And, and we share that same vision. And there's a sense, and, and over time this has ebbed and flowed over the years, but recently, uh, Steve mentioned this briefly, but Steve and Daryl and myself and Clark Richardson from... Uh, Crossway Chapel have gathered together to meet and encourage each other in that task and to try to set up regular times of meeting and, and, and prayer together. And so that is an incredible partnership as we stand together to proclaim the gospel. A second partnership that I am really glad for is a love for the local church. There's a love for the establishing of the church. Frank mentioned that coming up from, from within Grace Church of DuPage and, and spilling over into Kishwaukee Bible Church and, and of course spilling over into Steve and, and the team that came out to plant this church. And, and I think that that is an important love because Christ is establishing His church. This is what He's doing. His kingdom is established, is being established, as the church is being established at home and around the world. And to share in that is incredible. And to share in that in, in each other's. In, in regards to if there's a problem here, one phone call and we'll do whatever we can. And I know the same is true. That I can call Steve and I can say, i got a problem and he would be there in a heartbeat. And to share that love for the local church is uh, an incredible gift to have to know you're not standing alone. 
And the third way that I thought about we have this self-sacrificing vision is a passion for the mission of the church. Something, again, that Frank alluded to, and I'm glad that he did. There's that sense of partnering together. We partner together in the Philippines and in Nepal, and that's not going to be the end of it. We know that however long God has us here, God's going to keep pushing the door because He's establishing His church around the world. That's what He's doing. And to be able to know that you can stand with like-minded people, to, to know that their heart is to bring the truth of the Word of God and the love of the Scriptures to, uh, to, to other churches and to establish other churches around the world, it's an incredible partnership. And we share that together. And we pray for each other in those, in those times. And... Uh, and we're going to share that, hopefully, on to eternity. And so I stand here saying that I'm glad that we have partnership. I'm glad that we have, in the truest sense, koinonia. That we're together for the mission. And that's carrying us a long way. And so I'm grateful for that. And I'm grateful for what's happening here. And I'm thrilled with the space God has provided. And I know one thing that... That, that the goal here is not to uh, build an empire to yourself, but to have a place to establish people in the gospel and to see that gospel proclaimed around the world. And I want you to know from everybody from Kishwaukee Bible Church, we stand next to you and side by side with you as we go on in that journey. And, uh, and we're glad for what God has given to us. And so what I'd like to do is before Daryl comes up, is just pray for our churches and pray for that mission. And then I'm going to introduce Daryl to you. But would you join me in prayer? Father, I'm glad for the partnership that we share. Partnership in the gospel. To proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ. To, to not be afraid of that message, but to proclaim it boldly. I'm grateful, God, for the love that you have given our hearts. This combined love for your church this institution that You are establishing, that's at the core in the apple of Your eye, the gathering of Your elect into a place that would operate as a body to worship You and to be a, a testimony of Your incredible power to the heavenly realms. And I'm glad and I'm grateful, Father, that You've given us a, a passion for the mission of the church. To establish churches, plant new churches around the world, to stand together in that. Lord, I'm grateful for our brothers and sisters in the Philippines that we've worked together with to really seek to, to give them what You have given to us and to rejoice with them as we've watched the church there flourish and uh, under Gospel leaders. I'm grateful for the mission in Nepal, for the work that Steve's been doing with, with leadership resources and other contexts that he has to, to train pastors to exposit Your Word and establish their churches in the truth of the Gospel. And God, I'm glad we get to stand together in those partnerships. And Lord, I pray that You would give us more. I pray, God, that You would invest in us the glorious Gospel in greater ways so that we can establish it together around the world. And Lord, I pray that You would bless Rock Valley Bible Church in, in a great way. And may they stand as a testimony of Your great love to this community. And I pray this in Christ's most holy name. Amen. Well, Daryl Worley is going to come up. Some of you know Daryl. Many of you might not. But Daryl's the pastor of Grace Church of DuPage. He's been there for six years. Prior to that, he spent almost two decades at Moody Church on staff as a pastor there. 
And uh, but besides his professional resume, the one thing that I, I can tell you about Daryl is that he loves Christ. He loves the church and he loves the word of God. And uh, over the past few years, I've had an opportunity to just become friends with Daryl. And, and, and it's a joy to have a comrade like that in the progress of the gospel. And, and so, Daryl, it's an honor to have you come up here, honor to introduce you. And I'm glad that you get a chance to hear from uh, my good friend as he opens the word for us. So, Daryl, come on up. Well, it is indeed an honor for me to be with you today. Um, I bring you greetings from your elect sister, Grace Church of DuPage. Uh, we rejoice with you at this milestone, and uh, it's just really uh, a, a great day to look forward to what the Lord may be doing next in you. I'm going to do something very informal at the moment, though. When I told the elders at Grace Church of DuPage a few weeks back that I'd been invited to come and spend this day with you, they said, oh, that's great. You ought to bring a photographer along. We'll get some shots of this place. And we brought Michael here along with us, and uh, you'll see him running around. But, you know, Steve said when we came in, I forgot to get a camera for today. And we want to capture this day, I think, right? So, Michael, come on up here. I think these two spots right here were made to take a picture of these folks. And uh, we'd love to have a picture of everybody that's here right now. We'll get some more of you probably through the day, too. But come on up here. If you can see the lens, then the lens can see you and maybe one on each side or if you can get the whole room. I can get the whole room. <laughs> All right. I'll stand back. All right. Let's get a center, right? I'll get, I'll get from each side now. <laughs> Yeah, it might be a little bit of a distraction now, but you'll appreciate it later, believe me. <laughs> Plus, we're, I guess, what you call the grandmother church, right? And that's one of the privileges of grandparents is just to, to <laughs> dote on their grandkids. So. I hear some grandparents in the room. <laughs> no, we really do rejoice with you at this milestone and... Um, we anticipate along with you to see what our Father might do through this church at the next stage. What does He have in store? That's an exciting thought. But in order to get there, we move through events like today. And our purpose today really is, is several parts to it. To confirm that our sights are set in the right direction. Is the church to remind ourselves what God's word says about that to celebrate that all that God has done to bring this day about in the life of Rock Valley Bible Church to be in this place. Finally, that the Lord has appointed you to worship, um, but also to remind ourselves of what the church is here to do just in general terms. What does it mean to be a church in this place? So what the church is here to do. And what this building that you have now exists to facilitate. And even beyond that, to remind ourselves of how it is we get back on course if we ever slip off as a church. Because we serve a gracious God. And He's a God of forgiveness. And we all need it. And churches lose their way these days, don't they? And so what do we have? What do we have here that's worth sharing with our community? 
And what happens when we grow discouraged or distracted and we begin to lose sight of that? You know, as I was praying about what to preach from today, uh, what kept coming back to mind is Jesus' letter to the church at Ephesus in Revelation chapter 2. Now, that's a strange thing to speak to a church on a day of celebration where you're coming into a building and have fresh vision in front of you, isn't it? Because in that letter, Jesus talks to this church about having fought hard to protect the truth, and and yet they left their first love behind. I thought, well, that's a that's a funny thing to think about sharing with the church on a day like today. But you know what? As we opened this afternoon with a thought from Psalm 127:1, unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build it. Unless the Lord watches over the city. The watchmen stay awake in vain. Steve said vanity, emptiness, nothingness. That's what happens when church loses sight of their mission. I thought, wow, maybe it wasn't so offline after all to be thinking Revelation 2. Frank comes up and talks about how easy it is from the very start to think you're going to do it right and the truth is going to be your corner on the market. You you embody the truth in a way nobody else has. And the statement itself lacks the proper love. And as I preached this morning from 3 John, really interesting to see how that text comes together. I won't make the argument for you now, but when truth and love flow together, the result is a Christ-like humility. And Gaius in 3 John exhibited that in, a, in an excellent way. And so it's, a, it's an important thing to remember, this truth and love dynamic and how the two come together. And perhaps it's not such a bad thing after all to reflect a little bit this day on the experience of the church at Ephesus, to walk with them in their steps a little bit, and then to hear the final word that's spoken to them in the New Testament. We'll get to that in a few moments, but I want to begin just by asking a few questions. Why have a building? Why does a church really need to attain a building. What's so special about a building? How is the gospel, the the charge to the church, advanced by having a building? Well, obviously, owning a building is not essential to Great Commission ministry, is it? Is it? I mean, you, above all people, right now, today, should know that. You've existed for 8 or 10 or 12 years, depending on how you, you, uh, you, you count it. Without a building, you've been doing great commission ministry all the time. Why do you need a building? Even more obviously, we know that God doesn't need a place to live. We learned that from our earliest days in Sunday school. That God doesn't need a building either. We learned that the building is not the church. The people are the church. Both Stephen in his defense before the Sanhedrin, as well as Paul in his address to the Areopagus, in Acts chapter 7 and chapter 17, respectively, pointed out the fact that God does not live in temples made with hands. So why a building? It's not like the Old Testament temple, even though both of them were drawing on Solomon's prayer and the dedication of the temple. When he asked a very pertinent question in prayer, he said, will God indeed dwell with man on earth? Behold, heaven and the highest heavens cannot contain you. How much less this house that I have built. So even that house, which was built in order to reflect the presence of God among his people, God didn't need it. He didn't live there. Certainly no less today when we know that the temple has moved from a location in Jerusalem into the hearts of every believer 
and risen Lord Jesus Christ. But you know what? The answer to Solomon's question in prayer was still, yes, God will indeed dwell among his people. And that's how he'll do it. But that also puts us in the place of asking, why a building? Why do we need a building? Paul said most clearly to the Ephesians, in the Lord Jesus Christ, you believers are being built together into a dwelling place for God. That's where he resides. So what about this question? Well, friends, let me just suggest an answer to you that has several different facets to it. First of all, sustained gospel presence in a particular location is a significant part of the spread of the gospel in fulfillment of God's sovereign purpose and according to God's sovereign plan. A sustained gospel presence in a given community is an important part of gospel ministry. While house churches may have functioned quite adequately back in first century Greek and Hebrew culture, and they even work in some contexts today, by God's design, the church is an institution in society whose function cannot be performed by any other group. It certainly can't be performed by social service organizations, though they've attempted to take over large portions of what the church is supposed to do. It can't, be, it can't be taken over by parachurch organizations, even though they facilitate gospel ministry in many helpful ways. It can't be taken over by Bible colleges, even though they teach the Word of God and enable a certain form of fellowship that students can often mistake and replace the local church by engaging in that sort of fellowship. In reality, none of these can replace the work of the local church and society and having a place in which to do that kind of fellowship, that kind of sacrificial joint partnership is of great benefit to the church in gospel ministry. It is a tremendous advantage to the sort of work that the church does in the community if they have an established location. And I'm sure you've found out many reasons why already just in the few weeks you've been here. Have you? You who have uh, been part of Rock Valley Bible Church, is it nice to be settled? Is it nice to not have all the set-up work to do day in and day out? Not only is a place for the body of Christ to meet, a place for the, the team to be equipped, it's a place where all kinds of work can be done and where some, some inertia can be gained from one week to the next, where the same sorts of logistical tasks aren't done over and over again in the same way. Now, all of that has its place in the life of the church. And I'm sure many precious and, and, and memorable hours have been spent in that sort of logistical work, right? Relationships have developed around setting up chairs and getting classrooms ready and, and, uh, and just setting up your, your, your space in a temporary residence. But you know what? Churches come of age at a certain point. People come of age at a certain point as well, don't they? People mature. Churches mature. And there are certain kinds of responsibilities that are characteristic of a certain age. Paul even talked about it in 1 Corinthians 13. When I became a man, I put childish ways behind me. There's nothing childish about setting up chairs for a church service. But it does reflect a church at a given stage of maturing. And as you mature to a certain place, whether you're a person or a church, you tend to buy a home and settle in and have a presence in your community. 
A place of gospel witness. A place where the work can be done. That, that facilitating of the ministry. That training of the troops that we talked about. The launching of gospel offensives into your community. And you also develop a, a sort of sanctuary status in the, church, or in the community where your church has been established. Something akin to, to an Old Testament city of refuge. Where people know that you're there and, and if they have a need on some day other than Sunday, they stop by and they find something of gospel ministry present between Sundays. A location gives you opportunity to do very effective, very important work like that. So essentially it means that you're on with your mission with a new field headquarters that is permanently established and is available to God and to His people for very effective gospel ministry. So the pressing question now is, what next? What are you going to do with this place now that you have it? Where are you going from this point on? What is God's purpose to achieve in and through you here in this place? What is He doing here as He plants Rock Valley Bible Church in this location, Alpine Road, Loves Park? Another way to ask that is to say, why you, why here, why now? I think every pastor that goes to a new church himself has to ask those questions. I know those questions just permeated my mind as I came to Grace Church of DuPage six years ago. And it takes longer than you think to answer those questions. Why me? Why here? Why now? Well, why you? Why here? Why now? I want to talk to you just for a few minutes today answering those questions. And really the first one, the why now question is easy enough. I'm going to back through them. Why now? Well, Paul wrote to the Corinthians, Behold, now is the favorable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. 2 Corinthians 6. Or from the writer of Hebrews that Steve has been preaching in for something between months and years, I heard. Uh, from the book of Hebrews, Exhort one another every day as long as it is called today so that none of you might be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. There is a present urgency to gospel ministry, to the gospel message going out that makes now always the right time. So there's really not much of a question to answer there. Why now? Well, now is the day of salvation. This is the period of time where God's people are privileged to be gospel ministers. And what a great privilege that is. How about why here? Well, that question is always a bit more tricky to answer, isn't it? But I give you what I believe to be a bottom line answer from the Scriptures. This question of why here is tied up in the mysterious sovereign purposes of God and you're only going to discover it perhaps in, in, in facets, in aspects as you live and minister here. Let me give you a little example of that. Consider Paul and his team on their second missionary journey, Acts chapter 16, beginning that journey. Verse 6 of Acts 16 says, They went through the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. Having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. It kind of flies in the face of the answer to our now question. But God has sovereign purposes about places in regard to time. And we can see that in Paul's experience with his team there in Acts 16. They're also forbidden to go to Bithynia by the Spirit of Jesus. 
Hard to understand. They got started. If you took some time to unpack Acts 16, they got started on this second missionary journey and sort of what appears to be wandered aimlessly west for about 400 miles before all of a sudden Macedonian vision, they were gone to, to Philippi and to that region. Can you imagine the Apostle Paul seeming to aimlessly wander, being forbidden by the Spirit of God to go here, to go there? How a strange section of Scripture. Something unusual is going on there. But you know what? Near the end of the very same journey, Luke records in Acts 18, verse 19, that they came to Ephesus and Paul went into the synagogue and reasoned with the Jews and began a dialogue with them there. Where was Ephesus? It was in Asia, wasn't it? And just a few months back, the Spirit of Jesus said no. The Spirit, of, the Spirit of God said, no, not Ephesus. The end of the very same journey. They go into Ephesus. They reason with the, the Jews there and the synagogue. And then we have Paul being asked by them to stay a bit longer. He declined to do so, still appealing to the will of God. He said, I will return if God wills, verse 21. And God did will, didn't He? And what do you know about the Ephesian church and the spread of the gospel there? That's Acts 18. Paul did come back to Ephesus on the third missionary journey and spent about three years in that city. And absolutely amazing stuff was done there. Remarkable display of God's power in Ephesus, wasn't there? Do you remember? I mean, that's the place where strange stuff happened. It's, it's become the model for certain televangelists these days, I think. In fact, as, as handkerchiefs that Paul touched were put, placed on people and they were... They were healed. It was just absolutely astounding. That's the place where, where, um, where, where Paul healed a girl and, and uh, ends up starting a riot because the, the workmen who were profiting from her fortune telling were, were knowing that they were, they were going to be out some money now. And, and it ends up with a riot in the streets with people shouting, great is Artemis of the Ephesians for two hours. And, I mean, amazing things in Ephesus. So amazing that Ephesus ended up receiving as much attention as any other church in the book of Acts and more correspondence than any other church in the New Testament. The first thing we hear is that Jesus forbid Paul to go there by his spirit. What do we take from that? Well, God has sovereign plan and purpose for churches to be planted in certain areas. And I can tell you something, that God-glorifying, Christ-exalting, Spirit-enabled, Bible-preaching, cross-centered churches don't land anywhere by accident. Do you know that? Can you say amen to that truth? God-glorifying, Christ-exalting, Spirit-enabled, Bible-preaching, cross-centered churches don't land anywhere. Anywhere by accident. You are such a church. And God has placed you here. Why? Why here? I don't know. I can't tell you exactly. But I guarantee you I could come back here in six months or a year or five years or ten years and that answer is going to keep accumulating to the praise of God's glorious grace. 
And that's what we delight at Grace Church and DuPage to observe along with you. Why here? Now. Be in prayer about that because God alone knows the answer to that question. The final one is why you? And we've really already alluded to the answer to that one. Why your particular church? Why Rock Valley Bible Church here on Alpine Road, Loves Park, Illinois? Why? Well, all I can say is because God has some purpose for your unique expression of the very same gospel qualities that were present in Ephesus. You see, the gospel remains the same, but the way that each church puts it into practice and proclaims it and the unique character of each church differs amazingly. The church is called the bride of Christ. All marriages seek to strive after the same sort of of, of teaching from the word of God. And yet, do any two relationships operate exactly the same way? No, it's part of the beauty of God working through His people. The same word of instruction and it takes on the character of the unique people that He's called together into that relationship. Same thing happens with the church. One and the same gospel message. But the unique collection of people that God has purposed from eternity past to draw together to call them Rock Valley Bible Church here on North Alpine Road in Loves Park, Illinois. He's going to do something unique through you. And there's a unique expression of gospel ministry that's supposed to come through this church that God is going to use. And therefore, it is you and not some other body planted here now. One of them moved on to a new place. And a new one has come into its place to bring a unique character to what God is doing here. You were saved by one and the same gospel message as the Ephesians. They were saved by the word of truth, the gospel of their salvation, Paul wrote in Ephesians 1.13. And a couple of verses later, he said that their love was well known. He wrote to them, I have heard of your love toward all the saints. And the maturing of their faith was characterized as speaking that truth in love. That's what maturing looks like by the time he got to Ephesians chapter 4. When Paul wrote to Timothy in 1 Timothy 1.5, he said that, the aim of his charge to Timothy is love that issues from a pure heart, a good conscience, and a sincere faith. Love rooted in truth. That's why Paul sent Timothy to Ephesus to shepherd this body in that direction and to appoint elders who would have that, that whole truth and love thing together. That they would understand the core and unchangeable and unshapeable truth of God's Gospel message given through the Lord Jesus Christ. And they would understand that the response to that gospel message as you receive the sacrifice of Christ yourself, the response is to love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and mind and strength and, and to show that by loving your neighbor as yourself. And this truth comes into the heart and begets love. It's another thing we saw from 3 John this morning. Maybe I ought to preach from 3 John for a few minutes, but this is a great insight that I really appreciated. When truth takes root in a heart, it shows itself through love. And truth that doesn't get all the way to a loving expression is not really truth. 
It hasn't been bought into. It doesn't mean truth changes when you love. It means when genuine truth takes root in the heart of a believer, it shows itself in love. And if that love is not evident, truth is not taken root. It's to so love God and so love neighbor that all we are doing here is introducing the two to one another. One of those two missing, either the truth or the love, it's a church that over time will die. That's why we come back around full circle to Jesus' instruction to the church at Ephesus in Revelation chapter 2. Much had gone on in that church. They'd been threatened by a form of false teaching that Paul warned them was coming when he met with their elders back in Acts chapter 20. He met with them in Miletus. And he said, you know what? Some from among you are going to rise up and they're going to lead some astray. This church fought hard against that. And what we see in Revelation chapter 2 is the place where Frank said this began and some of the struggles that were present as Grace Church of DuPage began almost 27 years ago. Things that we had to learn in the process. It's something that the Ephesian church developed into. They fought so hard to protect the truth that they left their first love in the process. The zeal of belief in that truth and the work that that truth is supposed to do in the human heart to awaken a love for neighbor that just longs to share that truth with the neighbor so that the neighbor experiences that truth as well and is incorporated into the body of Christ together in the family forever. That love had had waned, had dropped off. And so what did Jesus say to that church? He said, I know your works, verse 2, your toil and your patient endurance. And how you cannot bear with those who are evil. You can't put up with error. But have tested those who call themselves apostles and are not. Just from the experience of the Ephesian church recorded on the pages of the New Testament, you know what what an important statement that is. What a poignant and revealing statement that is. They were winning the battle against error and against false teaching that had cropped up among them. You've tested those who call themselves apostles and are not and have found them to be false. I know you are enduring patiently and bearing up for my name's sake and that you've not grown weary in that battle. But, but, he said, I do have this against you. I do have this against you. That you've abandoned the love that you had at first. Oh, friends, little, little chance in this place that with the steady diet of the Word of God well taught as it is, little chance that you'll wander from the truth. But when we become more and more proud of our grasp on the truth, One of the very first things that happens is exactly what happened in Ephesus. You fought for it. You protected it. You kept it. And now the truth stands alone. And love looks soft. It looks like compromise somehow. 
when you start seeing a form of sin in your community that you know that the truth speaks against, you start withdrawing from that sin rather than taking the message of redemption right into the middle of that community and loving them for Christ's sake. The challenge on this day in this place, why here? Why now? Why you? The now is evident. And the here is by God's sovereign appointment. Oh, but in the proclaiming of the message. Do not lose the love of the Savior who brought the message to you. Do not hoard the message as though somehow you're deserving of it in a way that others aren't. Or somehow the sin from which you were saved is less sinful than the sin from which others need to be saved. On this day of dedication, Remind yourself that it is the truth proclaimed in love that is the unique and unchanging expression of the Gospel. Now, how you do it needs to take on your likeness by God's sovereign appointment as well. What a blessed day it is. And our prayer is that you would use this place well to build the Kingdom of God by the Spirit of God enabling the truth of God to go out in love to a world that desperately, desperately needs it. Would you pray with me now? Oh, Heavenly Father, our longing is to be messengers of Your clear Word of truth, exhibiting the very love that Jesus displayed as He spread out His arms and allowed them to be nailed to the cross. Truly, Father, this is a God-glorifying, Christ-exalting, Spirit-enabled, Bible-preaching church. A cross-centered church. And Father, I pray that it might be found to be so even upon the day that the Lord Jesus returns. And that whether they are still located in this place or some other on that day, that they would still be faithfully proclaiming the gospel of a risen Savior, your own expression of love to this very needy world. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
Pastor Chris Branch from the Redbrook Church in Stillman Valley. And for our church, we want to tell you that we're so thrilled and so thankful for God, how God has made provision for you. Uh, this is the exciting time. And our prayer for you and our words of encouragement from you are from Acts 17, uh, verses that are well known to you, but I'll just read them. That when the brothers... Paul and Silas were sent away by night to Berea, and when they arrived, they went into the Jewish synagogue. Now, these Jews were more noble than those in Thessalonica. They received the word with all eagerness, examining the scriptures daily to see if these things were so. Many of them therefore believed, with not a few Greek women of high standing as well as men. But when the Jews from Thessalonica learned that the word of God was proclaimed by Paul at Berea also, they came there too, agitating and stirring up the crowds. Then the brothers immediately sent Paul off on his way to the sea, but Silas and Timothy remained there. Those who conducted Paul brought him as far as Athens, and after receiving a command for Silas and Timothy to come to him as soon as possible, they departed. There's just so much encouragement there. First of all, there's the encouragement, obviously, about receiving the word eagerly. Now, sitting here, I was thinking about the architecture of this place, and I really like it. And probably uh, the striking thing is the height of the platform. And 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 I think uh, and that uh, there were no sort of Zacchaeus implications there. I. I I meant that strictly from the standpoint of elevating the word. That's why this platform is high. That's also why churches like this um, have this sort of architecture. Because, because what does this do? It sweeps us up, right? It lifts us up and it, um, it, it brings us architecturally a, a reminder of the presence of Christ. 
looking at the ceiling fans, I haven't talked a lot about your views on the rapture. I, depending, I guess you could turn those things off uh, but, but before the service. But, but seriously, uh, this idea of, of the elevated uh, word of Christ, the idea there of discernment, we're praying that you're a discerning church, that you examine the Scriptures yourself to see if these things are so. Now, the picture of industry, daily, day after day, that you're examining the Word. Now, the Bereans were expert crisis managers too. I think that there's this expectation amongst God's people sometimes, if we do everything right, there won't be any problems, when in fact it's quite the opposite. And the Thessalonians or the troublemakers from Thessalonica, will find their way in these parts as well. And like the Bereans, our prayer is that you're zealous for the Word, expert crisis managers who persevere. And that God, like the Bereans, will grant you influence. Many of them therefore believe, including people in positions of, of leadership. We're so thankful for a Word centered, Christ exalting church. Can't tell you what a thrill it is to our heart. God bless. Good evening. Now, as you can hear, my voice is just about gone. And so uh, I'm Pastor Jess Miller from Morning Star Baptist Church. I bring you greetings on behalf of the pastoral team there and from the whole church. And I also bring you a virus that I'd like to spread and share with you all <laughs> on special occasions. So I'm sitting there. I feel so guilty. I'm thinking, I'm going to get all these people sick in this place. So, but I, so I apologize for that. It's the sovereignty of God, though. So we can't complain about it. We have to live with it. Well, <clears throat> you know... Every Sunday morning, we have a pastoral prayer in our church. One of the pastors will get up and pray uh, in front of the congregation, as most churches do. But Pastor Bob, years ago, started doing something that was really quite shocking to a lot of people. He would get up in his prayers and pray not just for our church and our service and, and uh, or for what was going to take place there. He would pray for other churches in town. And he would name them by name and he would name the pastor by name. And he would he still does this and knows uh, what that pastor's preaching through and will like I know uh, Pastor uh, Larry Pauly has been preaching in, in Jude or finished it up not too long ago. Am I right on that? Yes. And uh, so he knows these things and, and he'll pray for them. And uh, that made a great impact on me because. In our culture, often we can view other churches as competition. In other words, we're in business to get as many people to our church as we can, and we're competing with the other churches and trying to be uh, a church that uh, stands out so that we can gain the most amount of people. And that is definitely not the way it should be. And uh, one song Isaac Watts wrote, uh, the song, How Sweet and Awful Is This Place?, uh, of course, when he used the word awful, when he wrote it, it wasn't like it's sweet and bad, but it's awful. It's all filled. This is an, a separate and unique place. And he says it's because uh, he says how sweet and awful is the place with Christ within the doors while everlasting love displays the choices of her stores. 
See, this is just a building with walls, uh, but the, it is symbolic. And I love the symbolism of a church building that in, in a sense you you the, they, you gather in here and Christ is here in a unique way because we are the body of Christ and something special happens in here and in this place that doesn't happen outside of this place. And so a building is very significant. But then in his last verse to that song, and this is our prayer for this church, for your church, we pray this. We long to see thy churches full that all the chosen race may with one voice and heart and soul sing thy redeeming grace. And it should be in the hearts of God's people, even within the same city, to pray to God and want to see the other like-minded churches grow and be filled with people. So that is our prayer. And we will continue to pray that God will richly bless you all. I don't have any Lysol. <laughs> Larry Pauly from Elam Baptist Church, and it is a particular thrill for me to be with you today, Steve, and all of you at Rock Valley. Our churches have had a unique relationship through the years, and we have thrilled to it, praying for you all, uh, sharing our building on Sunday morning at least once, uh, sharing Awana clubs, praying for each other, sharing different ministries, different times, uh, some Christmas Eves together, Good Fridays together. And a lot of that because of your nomad status at the time. And, um, and now things have changed. And we're thrilled for all of you, and we praise the Lord for it. I particularly am excited, apart from being the pastor of Elam, because my wife and I now for 13 years have been residents of Love's Park. And while we will not be attending here, uh, we are grateful that you are here uh, for the community in which we live. Uh, quite unusual for me, I want to share with you two texts of Scripture that on the surface may not seem to have anything to do with one another, but I trust in just a very brief moment to explain them uh, to you and show you the connection. The first one is from uh, Proverbs 22 and verse 28 where it says, Do not move the ancient landmark that your fathers have set. Uh, depending on your translation, uh, you might see that it says, do not move the ancient boundary stones or boundaries, something to that effect. And this was, of course, a reminder in the book of Proverbs of that which was said back in Deuteronomy, uh, chapter 19 and verse 14 and other places, to the people of Israel particularly, that when they were in the promised land and the land had been divided up for the inheritance and the different tribes had their different places, and the families within those tribes had their different places, they were marked by these boundary stones. And this is the tribe of Dan's, and this belongs to Asher, and this belongs to Naphtali, and so on. And they were told, don't move those. You know, don't go out in the middle of the night and think, we need an extra three feet in this area, and when no one's looking, move the stone over so that your property is bigger. And they said, remember where those boundary stones were set. The other passage I want to share with you is from the New Testament. And that is found in 1 Peter chapter 2, 
where it says uh, in verse 5, talking about those who have come to Jesus Christ, you yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Christ. Here the Apostle Peter is making it very plain to the church that we are the living stones that build the actual household of God. We are grateful to God for you and with you today for the bricks and the stones and the mortar and the electrical wiring and all this stuff and the nosebleed place up here and uh, everything like that. We are thrilled for you. But this isn't the church, as you well know. It's already been stated by a brother in his message earlier, and you know it. You are the church. If you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you are the living stones that build it every time you come together. And so these two passages put together as a reminder, especially if you were a Jew, don't move the stones that mark the ancient landmarks. And the New Testament passage, don't forget you are a living stone. Now, other than the fact that stones are in both of them, what am I trying to say? Obviously, you're not having a land in the inheritance. You're not marking out your territory. Jess was so very, very right and clear that all of us together, and I think that's one reason Steve invited us, he knows we are not in competition. There's never a whiff of that around here between the churches represented, and we're thrilled for that. But I want you to remember something. And in fact, Steve, for you, I've put it into two simple phrases to remember. Okay? Because of our relationship and the way that you have teased me now for over a decade. Don't forget the past. And don't forfeit the present. You're not making your own boundary marks and your own inheritance in the land. But Rock Valley Bible Church was started in a unique way. And for several years, you have been able to take up residence in a place that was not your own. And many times that was done on purpose to have a presence out in areas where a church wouldn't normally be and to not tie yourselves to something that would have the expenses and the burdens that having a building you will find to have. Great blessings, but burdens as well. I want to encourage you, dear ones, don't forget the past. Remember that desire to be out where people can see you. Just because you're in the same place, that doesn't have to change. Get out of these walls. Don't fall to pray to the temptation to say, well, let's try to get people to come in these walls. This is where you come. You get charged up. You get fed. You get ready. Then you go out to them just as you always have. Don't forget the past. But you're living stones too. You are the church. You build it every time you gather. Don't forfeit the present. Don't let the concerns of having a place, don't let the numbness of normalcy settle in on you. Don't forget that you are living stones. Don't, please don't get caught up in playing church just because you have a playhouse now. Too many of our churches have done that. And I want to remind you Peter says in his epistles, I want to stir you up by way of remembrance. Let me do that too. Don't forfeit the present by forgetting who you are. 
You're always teasing me, buddy, about the alliteration. There's two points for you, and I hope you don't forget. We love you. We'll continue to pray for you. And I can't wait to see what the Lord has in the future. Uh, unless, of course, we do go up to those blades anytime soon. <laughs> you stand again. We give glory to God on high here today. He does all things and through Him it's not to us to receive it, but through Him alone. Let's sing that song together, Receive the Glory. Not to us, but to Your name alone be all the glory, the glory sung to you and you are a faithful God great is thy faithfulness O God my father there is no shadow of turning with thee thou changest not thy compassions they fail not 
As thou hast been, thou forever wilt be. Great is thy faithfulness. Father, we continue to, to think about this hymn. Summer and winter and springtime and harvest. Sun, moon, and stars in their courses above. Join with all nature and manifold witness to thy great faithfulness, mercy, and love. Pardon for sin and a peace that endureth. Thy own dear presence to cheer and to guide. Strength for today and bright hope for tomorrow. Blessings all mine with ten thousand beside. Great is thy faithfulness. Great is thy faithfulness. Morning by morning new mercies I see. All I have needed, thy hand hath provided. Great is thy faithfulness. Lord, unto me. Father, we think of all we've heard, and we say, great is your faithfulness. We've heard about the past, and we thank you for the past. We thank you for the strong teaching, and we thank you for teaching the truth and love. And Father, as we come before you, we would not only dedicate this building for your purposes and for your protection, but we would also dedicate the body of Christ here for your purposes and for your protection. We continue to say thank you for saving us. Thank you for that faith you gave us to hear the gospel and respond. You gave us new hearts. You gave us ears to hear and eyes to see. You put our feet on a new path. You have been a gracious and merciful God to us as a body. We thank you. So as we continue to thank you for these things, Father, we would uh, be reminded, as we have heard again and again today, Christ is the head of the church, and we thank you for that. We thank you for the leadership. We thank you for the unity and love and serving. Father, as we leave this place and go into uh, the work week, we pray we would be salty and we would be bright and we would be found faithful. So as we think about these things, all we can say is the core beliefs here uh, are to be believing in the power of the Word of God, in the power of God, the power of the Gospel. May you prosper and may you protect this body and this church building. May it be used of you to bring souls that are lost in their sin to the knowledge of salvation. We thank you for the power of your word to do that. Again, we thank you for this time together and for the special part of this day. May we honor and glorify you. May we always give thanks and rejoice. And may we share the good news of the gospel wherever you would send us. We ask these things with thanksgiving and praise. In Jesus' holy name, amen. Well, thank you for enduring through a two-hour service, but it is appropriate of our love for God. I thank you, men, who came and shared all of your thoughts for biblical, Christ-exalting 
God glorifying, and in that uh, I rejoice. We have a, a meal downstairs, and so uh, I think that we ought to just mingle as you want and move downstairs. Karen, do you have any specific directions for us? Okay. Okay. Thank you very much. We thank the ladies for the work they put in. Let me thank the Lord for the food, and then you'll be dismissed. And you know, if you need to go, go. If you want to have a food, stay in fellowship. We'd love to to have you. Father, we are thankful for uh, the provision that you give us. Thank you. We live in a place where food is uh, abundant, and may the feast downstairs be glorifying to you as we eat with thankful. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. You are dismissed.